Hello and welcome to Cruise Club. We've got the Need the Need to Podcast. This is episode 22. Ooh, so many twos. 22. Mission Impossible 2 from 2000. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Mancy. So, Mike, welcome to the 2000s. We are here in a new mm. decade, a new century, a new millennium, ready to crack off the back half of Cruise Club. We are yes. officially, this, this movie, so you know, marks the halfway point of what he has released Ooh. so far, like to date, up to the time we record this episode, mm. Tom Cruise has put out 44 films. Wow. This is our 22nd episode. We are halfway home in Cruise Club. Wow. Congratulations, we've made yes. it halfway. We are living on a prayer, my friend. Oh, oh, living <laughs> on a prayer. With us today, also living on that same titular prayer, he's back from his cocktail episode. He's also been on our Hanks in the Memories episode, our podcast a couple times. With us tonight is Austin Wolf Southern. Hello, Austin. Hi. Hi. How are you? Thanks Good. for having me. Thank you me. so much for joining us. Our th- yeah, because this is uh, you know, this is a this is the big franchise. I was thinking today. Obviously, we have Too Fast, You Forever, and that's talking about you know possibly the biggest franchise in the world that isn't Marvel. Of the podcasts that you and I have done, Mike, The Matrix is probably the closest in mm-hmm. terms of like number of movies. But like this is, I, I think I'm coming to terms with the fact that especially after we did an entire run of Cage Club where Nicolas Cage is sort of famous-ish for not wanting to do sequels, really. Like, he has a couple Ghost Riders and a couple National Treasures, mm-hmm. and he's going to do a second Croods movie, but, like, got almost 100 movies and, like, three sequels. Like, for someone so against sequels, to have a movie like this, or have a franchise like this, where we're going to see Ethan Hunt eight times or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's, 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 it's crazy. Yeah, and that's what's different about this and the matrix too i feel is like that stopped and this is still going and the matrix well, matrix may be now. coming back i mean there's a glitch yeah you Deja know vu. as it were like this franchise you know is still up and running and still a strong contender i feel like going back to revisit these first two movies i like them way more now than i think i ever did and they play better every time i watch them and i feel like that's going to keep happening with these movies and I know I love the rest of the franchise so I think it's just going to be even better and it's like I don't know man this is tough like this might be the one you know like it's crazy I love that we're covering this series because by the end I want to know like do I love this franchise the most that that could Mm. be that might be happening here I think this is one of the best franchises of all time and completely solid and consistent every movie is special and amazing and and so unique in its style at least up to a certain point now they're kind of you know feeling uh similar to each other but early on they're so different and they're all amazing and that's one thing that mike and i tried to not that this is any kind of real you know great shakes or grand scheme that we're doing but we tried to we're, we're having a different guest for each Mission Impossible movie. So, like, normally we have, like, a franchise. Actually, Mike, you know, we have another franchise on another Tom podcast. we got four Toy Stories coming up, right? Oh, so that's, boy, that's right. a pretty sizable chunk, too. But for each Mission Impossible movie that has a different director, we have a different guest. So instead of having, like, one person do all the Mission Impossible movies because it's a sixth or something or, like, an eighth of what he's done so far... Uh, we're having a different person each time. So Austin is our John Woo Mission Impossible expert. And then once we get to the Christopher McQuarrie ones, I don't remember who the guest is. We're going to have that same guest for all the McQuarrie ones because I think it's more consistent there. But you're right, Austin. Like They are wildly different but also kind of similar, and they all work on their own and as individuals and also part of a whole and everything. And it's kind of fascinating to look back at this franchise evolving 
you know, every five or six episodes, Mike, we're going to have mm-hmm. a new Mission Impossible movie to talk about, and that's that's exciting. Yeah, and that's what it's so crazy coming off the last two movies. They're so heavy, really. We had like Eyes Wide Shut, and then we had Magnolia, and now we're back to this. It's like such a breather, or such like a palate cleanser or something almost and like i had almost forgotten about ethan hunt there for a minute you know but those two long three-hour dramas that we went through it's like wow he, he snapped right back like he's in spy mode and like it's a lot of fun here so now before we get into the discussion of our favorite moments our least favorite moments what we thought of this all together i am going to try to offer a plot summary of mission impossible 2 which i think from what i was reading in the trivia about this movie People complained that the first one was too complicated, so they really kind of wanted to simplify this. Okay. And so the, the plot is more straightforward than it was in the first one. There's, there's, I guess, fewer twists and turns, but there are still twists and turns. There are, by my count, five masks in this movie, which is, At I least. think, the most that's ever going to be. Like, there's a lot of masks. Yeah, there's a lot of masks. And people generally don't like this entry. Like, fans of this yeah, series, I, and, and I'm I'm happy to, to be here for this episode, because I love this movie so much. And yeah, this is the one that even people who love this franchise, everyone, or a lot of people kind of hate part two, and it, it sounds like you guys didn't, which is nice to hear. Yeah, I remember not liking it when I originally saw it, because I found it sort of confusing, and you know, we'll get into all that kind of stuff later, And every, but now watching it this time, like, it's a completely different type of movie than I thought it was, you know, like, I uh-huh. kind of had to, like, meet it on its level, I guess, this time around, and at that, like, I really had a blast. Like, I don't think it's as, like, I think I, I still prefer the first one. This could, this could still be my least favorite of all of them, I mean, I guess we'll see that in you know a span of a couple months or whatever as we get to each one individually, progressively, whatever. But I don't think this is bad. And I was looking on Letterboxd at the average ratings of each, and I think the first one and Fallout are the highest rated. And this one is like the lowest by almost a full point. Like this is like an average of like two and a half ish. And I think the next closest is like a three three or something. Like if there's a wide gap between this and the next quote-unquote worst one like people i think have decided to write this one off and i don't know why that is and i guess we'll get into it here's here's what this movie is about if you've not seen mission impossible 2 so there's a guy in the beginning of the movie who's kind of like the scientist in hobbs and shaw i kept getting so many hobbs and shaw flashbacks mm-hmm. oh, yeah. flashes forward in yeah this movie. me too he's created a deadly virus and he injects himself with the virus because he you know that's just what he does and so just like hattie kind of rescues the virus we also have later we have Thandie Newton inject herself, another Hattie move. He injects himself with a virus. He's friends with Ethan. He's like, Ethan, I need help. Ethan's on holiday, as Sir Anthony Hopkins says. So the IMF sends someone who kind of, sort of, maybe looks like him in an Ethan Hunt mask. And he got, that guy That guy breaks bad. And so with the help of William Maypother, a.k.a. Tom Cruise's cousin, a.k.a. Ethan from Lost, uh, they kill the scientist, steal the drug, and they're out to make a whole bundle of money. You know, sell this in the black market and make conceivably 37 million pounds or by the end of the movie in theory billions of dollars in stock options they are here to wreak havoc on the world so ethan hunt tom cruise off free soloing mountains in utah somewhere gets contacted by the imf to clean up the mess they say you can build out a team but the one person you have to hire is Sandy newton aka mave from westworld who's basically catwoman like she's kind of selena kyle she's like an attractive sexy thief who's burglar burgling jewelry and she's kind of got that whole like prowly i guess it maybe just you know a thief vibe she and ethan fall in love and have sex almost immediately like it is bananas how fast they have sex i guess he's batman if she's catwoman i guess he's batman ethan brings back <laughs> luther 
brings in a pilot, a helicopter pilot or whatever named Billy, who was originally going to be, oh wait, hold on, who was it going to be? Simon Pegg? Steve Zahn. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Yeah, the American Simon Pegg, I guess. So they bring in those two guys, they go to a horse track, they do some spy stuff, you know, they have this videotape of like the, basically the, the bad, or the, the, the drug deal, like the drug corporate bio scene or whatever their plan they do some spy stuff there there's a bunch of masks used ethan gets away with the antidote cures or he breaks into the lab where the bad guys are things get complicated a bunch of masks 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 everybody knows everything they go to rescue Fandy newton ethan and the bad guy have a motorcycle battle they jump at each other and they hug each other in midair and they fall off a cliff and he shoot and Ethan shoots and kills him, and then they go away on vacation. He and Fanny Newton to be in love forever. I guess similar to Batman and Selena Kyle, you know, having tea in Paris somewhere. They have a, a romantic getaway. And apparently she was gonna be back for the third one, but she decided to focus on her family instead of act. So she sort of got written out of the franchise. But it seems like she's going to be kind of his love interest or whatever, but I guess she's gonna be replaced by Michelle Monaghan? Is that who it is? Yeah. But Michelle Monaghan isn't like a thief or anything. Thing. So I think they could bring this character back eventually. They sure. could, but her character not only doesn't come back, but has never, never even gets mentioned in any of the future movies. Like she's been completely erased from the franchise, which and is Anthony really Hopkins unfortunate. Comes back either, right? I was just going to uh, say no. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I guess that's true. He gets replaced with Alec Baldwin, I think, eventually, right, as the head of the IMF or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So the crazy thing about the Anthony Hopkins role is that it was supposed to be Ian McKellen. But he was doing a play in London. He's like, I can't do that. I can't do it because like I'm worried it's going to run long or whatever. And by saying no to the small part because he would have had to be sort of available, I guess it let him be both Gandalf and Magneto. He would have had to be neither of those. Oh wow! If he was in this movie, like, even for like the very small, according to IMDb, who knows if that's true or not. Mm. And also, the guy who plays Ambrose in this movie was supposed to be Wolverine, was supposed to be Logan. And because this ran long, and because that guy got hurt in a motorcycle accident on set had to drop out, and now, you know, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine forever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just this, it's this weird kind of domino effect mm-hmm. that this movie ran super long, way over time, way over budget. You know, there was drama on set. You know, the cinematographer left after, like, a month. <laughs> John Woo was not asked back for the third one. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of things here that seems to not have gone on smoothly behind the scenes. And then here we are with a uh, pretty song, a pretty strong second out outing in the uh, Mission Impossible franchise. I mean, it's so different than any of the other movies. Like, this is the one I feel like that has the director's stamp on it the most. Like, this is a John Woo film, first and foremost. Like, he brought everything. I mean, yeah. is this this might be, like, the last movie he made in America. I think this is post-Wind Talkers or something, or one of the last films he had uh, a chance to. So. I think Wind Talkers was 2002, maybe? Oh, okay. Yeah, then he threw everything in the kitchen sink at Wind Talkers, too. But, like, <laughs> I, this is, you know, his very traditional sort of gun-fu romantic cop drama stuff just transplanted into a Mission Possible movie. And it doesn't exactly fit perfectly. I don't know. As like a one-off sort of adventure, I feel like it really works. Like This is almost like the Temple of Doom Mission Impossible movie where it could have come maybe even like before the last one. It's so like in its own world and like out of continuity. Yeah, this is very much a John Woo movie. And that's what's great. So Austin, you said you love this movie. I know that you love, I think you love, based on your review, I think you love John Woo. What is your favorite part of this, your favorite moment, your favorite scene? Also on a grand scale, do you love the Mission Impossible franchise? I think you said you did. Yeah. Like, where does this fall in the rankings? And like, what's your favorite part of this movie? I saw more flaws in it on this watch than I have 
previously, but I do think it's one of the best. But like Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation are just kind of on another level. And then the first one is kind of, yeah, the first one and this one I think are on their own level. Yeah, four and five are sort of its own thing. And, and Fallout, I I thought was really good, but I'd like to see it again. Um, mm-hmm. The third one I like a lot, but the third one, it's like the fourth Fast and Furious of the franchise where it's like when I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a good movie. But then a week later, I don't remember anything that happened yeah. in it. Like, and I, So I don't know why it doesn't stick with me, but I, it's just that's the worst one, quote unquote, worst one for me, just because I, I never like remember it fondly, even though I know it's good. That's similar to, to Fast and Furious, as I'm, I'm sure you're <laughs> aware of. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think I mentioned on the first go round, the first Mission Impossible movie, Mike, that I was saying that we when I watched these movies for the first time, I alternated these with the Scream movies. And so I watched the first four Scream or all four Scream movies, and the first four of these, like alternating one night after another. And I don't remember almost anything about this. And I think you and I had the same recollection: is that there's the rock climbing, and that's kind of all I remember. And all I remember about three is Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it, which I only know because of Kyle and Brian. Like, I don't know... These are kind of like a weird blur. Like, I know that I like mm-hmm. them, but I don't know... I yeah. don't know. Yeah, like, I also did not remember hardly any of this movie. I remembered who was in it, basically. And, like, I thought sequences were from other John Woo films. Like, I thought the car sequence was from another movie. I, I thought we were going to get a boat sequence in this, but we never do. That's actually in Face Off. Yeah, I don't I feel like with the next one, we'll get to it. Like, when J.J. Abrams came in, like, the consensus was we need to sort of solve off reboot like this franchise or at least get it back to basics and it's way more streamlined and like i feel like from then on it's more quote-unquote grounded like this looks feels and is like arranged basically almost like none of the other movies in a way it's like i don't know it's way more artistic it's got all the slow motion it's got a lot more tricks and things like that and rocking soundtrack and stuff so i feel like after this one they're like man maybe we should like pull back and simplify this franchise for a while and then like ramp it back up yeah yeah and i do want to say this is one of my top two favorite John Woo movies where people switch faces. <laughs> what What is the other one, Austin? Can you enlighten us on that one? Uh, that would be Face Off, one of the... Oh! Uh, you know, I, obviously number one, because that is one of the best movies ever made. Of course, I've heard of that one. Did you mention your favorite moment or your favorite part? I know that you like this movie, but like, if you had to pick a favorite part of this movie or scene or a moment or whatever... Well, I think the entire first... Not like the very... After the like very intro, which is like the setup part, but like once it... Once it starts with Tom Cruise, that like 20 minutes and him like meeting Thandi Newton, like all of that is just so ridiculous and like stylish and over the top. And just like, I just laughed like every minute of something that was happening. And that like, I just loved the entire introduction to this movie. And I mean, if I had to pick a favorite part, I don't, maybe it was just like him climbing the mountain and then getting to the top. Someone like rocket launches sunglasses to him. And then then he like, a couple times he like, like when the thing lands, he's just like, sees that they're sunglasses and he just does this like scoffing thing that's so funny and just like well i feel like that's a a meta joke because like sunglasses are such a tom cruise thing by this point i think like they've caught on you know that he well yeah that's what's great i don't know his response is just really funny and then when he like 
takes off the glasses that are about to self-destruct and he's just like if he knew where i was it wouldn't be a holiday and then he throws the glasses at the camera and it explodes into the opening (laughs) credits it's fucking phenomenal and then just everything with sandy newton because i also want to say like this is by far my favorite romance of the franchise and it's why okay. I think it's like so unfortunate that she doesn't come back because this is the only relationship he's had that I'm invested in. Now, do you think is it believable to you how quickly they fall in love? And how, I mean, they're both beautiful people, and they're both you know driven, and they're you know he catches her in the act. I think there's something sexual about the the art of thieving. But do you believe how quickly they fall in love and have sex in this movie? I don't think you need to believe it. I don't think it's like a believable <laughs> movie at this point. Their love affair is so goofy and like just their lines to each other like everything is just like really silly and goofy and it's just like i'm not really thinking about whether it's realistic i'm just so charmed by how like (laughs) dumb and silly it is and it kind of is believable just of like yeah just them being like beautiful people (laughs) like i i kind of yeah i kind of do believe it oh i know what my favorite part is she has to like go sleep with the other guy as like part of the mission and he says, like, you know, would it make you feel better if I didn't want you to do this? And she says, yes. And then he screams into her face, feel better. And it's <laughs> the most romantic moment I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> it's so good. It's so aggressive, but like so sweet, <laughs> hilarious. And I, oh, I love it. Their whole relationship is super aggressive, I feel, in the movie. That's why they fall for each other so hard so fast because, like, you know, they're in that tub when they're trying to dodge the, like, security when she's lifting the necklace and it's kind of, like, feels like an out-of-sight trunk moment trying to happen. Then he's, like, posing as the security guard. I Like, that's weird. I don't know what's going on there. But then they have, like, that high-speed chase, you know? It's, like, something straight out of James Bond where he just, like, rolls up on her the next day in the on the road and they get into a high-speed chase, and he, like, saves her life with that crazy John Woo car move. And then they just cut to, like, having banged. So <laughs> there must have been something... Or they're, like, making out in the car for a second. So there must have been something about, like, the adrenaline rush of almost having just died. Yeah, and living absolutely. living this, like, lifestyle together. And that's a great, like, action meet-cute, too, of just, like, falling in love over a... a- car race i mean also again very fast and furious that's true yeah i do want to say i think i said i don't know if it was again on the on the first mission impossible movie i you know i feel like i'm having that matrix glitch deja vu that you were talking about before mike i don't remember when i said things but i, I know i mentioned on some cruise club podcast before that the opening mountain climbing scene that austin you were talking about where he's free soloing that that cliff face in utah and then he gets the the missile shot at him and he just scoffs at it which yeah I, which is really effective that rock climbing is really tense and really effective so there was a i don't know if it was vanity fair or someone on like one of those kind of like 10 minute breakdown of scene sort of things on youtube they had alex honnold the guy who the star of free solo i don't know if you star of a documentary but the main guy the guy that they're following in free solo Mm. and he broke down all of these different like rock climbing sequences in movies and he said that this one is the most believable. Like, he's wearing wires and stuff here, of course he is, but he's actually, that's actually Tom Cruise on the cliff face, and he does, like, again, 95% of his own stunts in this movie. But he was saying that, like, the techniques he's using, the way that he, like, pauses and breathes and, like, holds and rests and everything, like, it's all mm. true to form. Like, the way he shimmies his foot 
At the, there's that great moment where he like kicks his leg up and like, you can see him like push his foot into position. It's really cool. I mean, there's two things that stick out to me. Like I don't remember that one. I'm sure. Like I mean, it's everything about it is just so like specifically and wonderfully crafted. But there's the time where he like rests his arms by like kneeling his knees under that like alcove. You know what I mean? He's just like oh yeah, he's like, there, yeah. like crouching, and then he jumps from one cliff to the other. Which in the in the video that I was watching, I'm talking about like Alex laughed about. It. He was just like, yeah, like you you wouldn't do that because like if you miss, you die. But like you know, Ethan Hunt's not going to miss because he's, you know, he's Ethan Hunt. But I just love that. It, not only is it awesome and then becomes funny in sort of a self-parody kind of way, but also not. But I also like that it's just it's authentic and genuine and realistic. Like it's just so it's so cool. It's such a great way to start the movie. It's also a great way, quick way to show us, you know, what Ethan's capable of. Like this is a monumental feat that we're witnessing, you know, of human endurance and perfection or whatever. Like this guy is is, is beyond us. You know what I'm saying? Like he is the man for the mission oh, yeah. and all that kind of thing. So like I, I'm not worried about him so much in this movie. Like is he going to die? Is this going to happen? Is he going to get like I know he's going to be okay, and I'm I'm cool with that. Like I I like that for once. Almost. Like I don't have to worry about him. And I do like that he is such he's such that guy Mike that they mention this like you know Anthony Hopkins explains what he has to do he's like that sounds difficult he goes well this is not mission difficult Mr. Hunt it's mission impossible (laughs) difficult should be a walk in the park like yeah you say it's difficult but like it's do- like you're you. It's doable. Do it. Just get it done. And and in the end, like it's it's important to remember. Not important to remember, but like he fails. Like, he's supposed to bring back the sample. He doesn't. And Anthony Hopkins at the end is just like, well, you didn't do your job, man. Like just come on, like be better. And I think it's just funny. That, like he does. He he literally saves the world from this global pandemic, and yet he still didn't do. You know, Daddy's not happy. I guess he fails in Anthony Hopkins' eyes, but he like, you know, yeah. he intentionally doesn't bring back the virus. Right. Yeah. 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 Mike, what about you? What is your favorite part? Is it that opening or is it something else about this movie that you love more than anything else? It might be Sean's house, uh, the villain. No, <laughs> even though that house is amazing. And I was getting a real sort of GoldenEye vibe off of this too, where it's like the evil James Bond, we have like the evil Ethan Hunt here. I love all that kind of stuff about the bad guy, but my favorite part is just everything from when he gets on that motor... Wait, well, first when he like at the end he like puts on the sunglasses again and gets on that motorcycle and then it's just like 20 minutes of like some of the most amazing awesome action stuff like i've seen in a really long time yeah this is why john woo's like a master this is why you sort of put up with a lot of his like melodramatic crappiness sometimes like he's a very weird filmmaker for american audiences i feel like he shoves a lot of like soap operatic kinds of things into his and it's great i i love that stuff but i feel like that's why he's not liked as much but like you cannot deny this action stuff and knowing that it's like and seeing that it's tom cruise like driving through giant flames and stuff i i just love all of his uh, drifting and shooting and all the all of that crap like it's just amazing like all the way up to the end here so like i was just riveted like i I was with this movie and having like a lot of fun and being like oh it's like kind of goofy it's silly it's like takes itself seriously sometimes but knows when not to this happens and i'm like no this movie is like legit i really like this movie now you know i love that end too i love the motorcycle stuff i was getting again flashes forward to fallout because there's great motorcycle stuff in that too which we will get to i love that i think though my favorite part that we've not really gone too into depth yet because I love the opening I love that ending Austin mentioned this but I love the kind of the meet cute between him and Thandie Newton like her stealing the jewelry from that bathtub from the bathroom and him just being there like helping her escape like there's just such a a, a charm to all of that 
that I just, it, it's kind of effortless. And I mean, it's, again, two likable actors, two beautiful actors hitting it off and, like, developing this rapport and this chemistry. And I think it goes into, like, I, I can see what you're saying, Austin, the romance you feel the most connected to in the franchise, because, like, there is a connection there between the two of them. And I think that one scene in the bathroom, it might be, like, what, three or four minutes? But, like, it's kind of all you need. It's like, oh, yeah, these two are, they're, they're kind of meant to be together. Yeah, they have really good chemistry. And I think just the next one, you know, Michelle Monaghan is who he ends up marrying, and it's like an okay relationship, but I don't... I mean, in the third one, like, she doesn't know what he does, and that just is too weird for me. Like, I don't... You can't have a working relationship if you don't even know your husband is a spy. I mean, she doesn't have to know the details, but, like, she doesn't know he's, like, risking his life, and that's just, like, I, I don't know, it's very seems gross to me and then even when she finds out it just i just didn't buy it i don't like that relationship and then in fallout they kind of imply that he's maybe going to be in a relationship with uh with rebecca ferguson but i i just don't see it like i love her in the movies so much but i don't think there needs to be a romance there i think that kind of spoils something so this is you know someone who's in his field a little bit knows what he does and has this real like chemistry with him and she's just like perfect and yeah i think it might be too late to bring her back this much later but it bums me out that she's not mentioned again but i do feel like ethan is to a certain extent kind of always haunted by the ghosts of his past and like i could totally see them in a way like i don't i guess the bigger question is like will people remember her there's That's probably I mean. a yeah. good portion of the audience that has come on just like in the Macquarie years, you know, like these these movies that like I think the movies the franchise has always been big and always received acclaim, but I feel like the later the, the most recent few, especially in terms of the scale and the size of the stunts, has really pushed extra eyes to these movies. Narratively, it works. I just I you know I guess we're in agreement that like I, I don't know if it works for the audience because even because we talk about it again to bring up the Fast and Furious like Joe and I over on Too Fast Too Forever like would love to have that people bring back you know Twinkie or Sean or whoever from like Tokyo Drift but like people who are watching Hobbs and Shaw or Fate of the Furious like for the most part probably don't know who those people are Mm -hmm. like they don't know Carter Verona they don't know these people that are like (laughs) key elements of the early movies that like diehard fans would know but yeah and you know it's a shame it is because I feel like this is something this franchise could use that something like the Bond franchise kind of can. It's like he's sort of with a different girl every movie and here you could have had like a cool two or three movies with him and his girlfriend or wife or whatever and they're on missions together you know and then eventually you could like sort of play them against each other or something and she even says something in this movie she says like to catch a thief or something like that and I was there's vibes there too in like those old timey jewel heist movies where they're sort of played against each other but falling in love and it's like a game of cat and mouse and all that kind of thing so like even if they I, I agree it's too late to really bring her back for this reason but like it, it's an element that maybe they could play with later on if they ever hand the franchise off to another actor or actress or something like that it's something in their bag that they could go back into early parts of the lore or parts of the mythology and be like oh like it's there like you know let's try and see if it'll still work now yeah i mean i think rebecca ferguson should take over the franchise if Tom Cruise retires from it and yeah have her like meet a love interest in a similar style you know and it could work now on the other side of the coin Austin in terms of the things that you didn't like because you said that you saw more flaws in it this time than you had in previous viewings 
what about this movie doesn't work for you? Do you have a least favorite part? Is there something about this that you would either remove or change? Also, one thing I want to point out is that apparently the original cut, John Woo's original version of this, was three and a half hours long. And so Paramount... I believe it. Was it is it Paramount? Who, I, who I would watch this? it. I would watch it too, for sure. But Paramount said, no, 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 it has to be two hours or under. So he cut out almost half the movie. And that's why like things early on, I guess there's like plot holes and things don't quite make sense. And we're kind of jumping from thing to thing. And I think, I don't know that it's supposed to be as either intentionally or unintentionally funny as, you know, Austin and us, as we find it. But I think it's just kind of, it's it's the victim of being basically half a movie. And I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, this time around, Austin, what about this movie did not work for you? So like, what what would you change? What would you remove? What would you sub out? I mean, what didn't work for me is I, I did feel like Naya, Thandi Newton's character, just didn't really have anything to do in the second half. She doesn't really do much. Like, once she injects herself with the virus, maybe she's feeling sick or something. But she just kind of, like, looks forlorn for, like, the rest of the movie. That just, like, kind of stood out to me a little more. I was like, oh, she was such an exciting character when she's introduced. And, you know, I just wish she had more to do. I don't love the villain, the guy who played the villain. He's fine. He's adequate, but, like, doesn't really... He's not, like, memorable to me. And I think it was a missed opportunity not to have uh, William Mapether be his double. They say, like, oh, he doubled you because he kind of looks like you. And it's like, well, that should have been his cousin playing that role. And I think, you know, I liked him on Lost. Like, I think he would have been... maybe a better villain and that would have been kind of a fun thing to play with they sort of look like each other i do love his bleach blonde hair in this movie too like that is a uh, startling look <laughs> yeah. for ethan oh yeah and also i think tom cruise's hair is a character in this movie and <laughs> that is another great thing that john woo added my least favorite part of this movie is that naya is not in the next one yeah that's fair would it have been better or worse in your eyes if when she injects herself that tom cruise kills her because she wants to be killed she's like kill me let's get rid of the virus and he says no i'll save you and then he he escapes like if he had killed her there would you think that that would have worked narratively or no no he would never do that no i don't think ethan hunt would ever let that so be what would an you option. have her do in the back half instead of just like wandering around aimlessly around sydney and trying to not kill or not infect other people like what would you have her do to give her sort of a sense of purpose in the back half once luther gets here gets her and she's in the helicopter if she could have joined that fight i don't know i guess she's not really set up as a fighter i don't have the idea for what she could have done but i just would have liked to have seen her do something or maybe just like struggling i don't maybe a scene of her like sitting with a gun like thinking about killing herself dealing with like what she might have to do just something like that i don't know the difficulty of it is that she's set up as a thief right and like that that pays off at the racetrack when she steals the oh, card and then she gets his that was on, right? but like that could also be my least favorite part because her putting it in the wrong jacket pocket i didn't buy i don't think she would yes. i don't think she would make that mistake that's only there to be narrative but i mean she can still put it in the same pocket and he can still notice it right like he doesn't have to exactly like, yeah because you, you see the, you see the face the cutaway yeah i don't know that really bothered me because i i just like i didn't understand why her character would make that mistake it didn't seem that didn't seem believable to me mike what about you what is your least favorite part and what do you think about the mm. uh the fandy newton in the back half do you think that it works or what would you have done to improve that and then you know 
Is there anything else about the movie that you would have changed? I, I agree with the Dandy Newton stuff. I was like, where is she? What What's going on? Like, I, I almost expected her to be on the back of Ethan's motorcycle the whole time. You know, like, yeah. he's got her trying to protect her. Or, and she's, like, halfway there, but still shooting people, you know, like, hanging on and trying to kick ass or something. Or it does just seem like she disappears and then she shows up in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> like, in the desert, about to jump off a cliff. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, just have her be involved somehow. My, my least favorite part here is Billy this special agent like this guy just vanishes I me mean, he never comes back either in the franchise That's and true. I was like who who is this bloke um, <laughs> like like I actually love that it takes place in Sydney Australia and I get you know they have like agents all over the world and stuff like that the actor was just like a nobody for such a big or pivotal role you know like last time they made sure that his team were somebody's Right? Like, we had Jean Renault and everything. And, you know, I'd be banging his back, Joey. Mm-hmm. You got Ving Rhames mm-hmm. returns. Uh, so it would have been cool if there was, you know, like, they said Steve Zahn was supposed to play this role. Like, that that would have worked just because he's a personality I like that I know from other stuff that I, every time he pops up, it would have been like, oh, sweet. And, like, perked me up when he's, like, doing his thing. That was a bit of a bummer. It was interesting, like, watching this for, like, the second or third time. And then he's introduced. And I'm like who like like who's this guy like i have no memory of him whatsoever and i I almost thought they were gonna pull the thing where like he's a mole like they're gonna do oh like because we don't know who this guy is like he's gonna turn out to be a bad person or whatever and he even flies the helicopter yeah i just feel like he's like a total waste unfortunately so like that i decided uh this go around i was like you know you could have just even omitted that guy and it could have been him and luther or like gotten someone to play that role that everybody's sort of familiar with just to make it pop you know, I agree with that. I think my my sort of struggle, my my least favorite part of the movie, aside from what you guys had mentioned, is I think the final battle in the sand until the end is kind of anticlimactic. Like, I think the action getting there is so good. Mm-hmm. And then when they're actually just, like, basically kind of slapping each other in the sand, like, it just feels <laughs> like there should be more. The final moment where, you know, Ethan tosses the vials to Luther and then kicks the gun up in the air. Like, I remember that shot mm-hmm. where he kicks it up and then shoots... Yeah. You know, shoots Ambrose like that's and cool. It, his like, hair is like... spinning in the wind as he turns. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the, uh, the the fourth character, the fifth character, <laughs> yeah. uh, just like New York. The is Ethan's hair. There should be more, and I don't know if like they they had narratively or creatively kind of shot their shot or whatever, like to get to that point. But it feels like have it ends, like have him sort of die. I don't know. Like it just feels like you have such high highs, and then like it feels content to slow it down, and it doesn't exactly work like i feel like comparing this to face off there's so much that happens you're like oh now we're in a boat chase like where did this come from like there's like a whole like another action sequence and i don't need like a whole other thing here but i just feel like we need something else in place of this like i think we need something that's just a little bit more energy just because it feels like kind of like this is this is this is it yeah, it is kind of weird that it all comes down to, like, a fist fight. I was thinking, well, like, huh, after all this, like, extreme, elaborate action ballet, like, they're just gonna, like, box or something? Like, what is this? Like, what? Uh, I, I, yeah, I really wanted it to end, like, more in a spectacular fashion. Like, you know, he accidentally, like blows him up or something like you know with a grenade or or like hits him with the motorcycle and like drives over his face anything right but like it was just it kind of felt abrupt like we hit a stop sign or something and they're just gonna throw down in the sand and i was like yeah that's a little irksome i mean like it didn't like ruin the movie but it's just like i kind of wish 
that yeah. it had more. Like, especially, I guess, knowing the action of the first one, like having like the, the, the train sequence at the end, and then yeah. knowing where this is going to go, it just feels like we had such a great run of like the 10 or 15 or 20 minutes of... You know, Mike, like what you had mentioned before about like the the motorcycle chase and the cars yeah, and everything, the smoke and, like, screen and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, like it's yeah. so cool, and then it isn't mm-hmm. anymore. I wonder if if it was just if this is like a. I think this might be like a John Woo thing where it's like because in a lot of his movies it's like we're the same you and me. Like when the cop meets the killer, it's like we're two sides of the coin, and so this could just be like a symbolic moment where it's like primal hand to hand combat, like the yin and the yang, like going. I'm not even joking. Like this is. What I actually think like my interpretation of this is now is like more like that than literal you know it's not supposed to be a big flashy thing it's just supposed to be like yeah, I love r- it. rough and raw yeah something. yeah I don't think you're wrong I was also getting other fallout flash forwards and I don't want to keep you know referencing a movie that we have not talked about we're not going to talk about for six months or whatever but like when they're in the hospital room and Ethan's in the mask to like play tricks like he's like I'm the scientist I'm still alive he's like you died like I was getting like in Fallout where there's the wolf blitzer thing where they have the guy <laughs> in the bed right like it's just the same kind of like guy like you know at his lowest like not paralyzed in bed but like trapped in bed stuck in bed and then just being fed lies to like extract the truth and just like wow. and like they're gonna use this exact thing in four movies and it's gonna work again that's right out of the uh, playbook there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like page 47. <laughs> well, also him being him being suspended, you know, like he is in the first movie that yes. that recurs mm-hmm. in I think all of them. I was surprised to learn that they didn't think he went rogue in this one, you know, because the guy on the plane was wearing his mask and he crashed that commuter airline like into a mountain. So like that's insane that that happened. And that sort of news clip reminds me of Joey in the first one where they see his mom and uncle get arrested for like two minutes where it's just like these weird, crazy events are happening in the real world while Ethan Hunt is like on a whole other level trying to prevent the end of the world. This is apparently the only movie, according to IMDb, that he either doesn't go rogue or isn't disavowed. Like, it's the only one where he's like kind of in good standing for the entire movie. Like everything else, like something breaks bad in one way or another. He disappoints the IMF. He gets a spanking. (laughs) Yeah, they're not, they're not thrilled with him, but yeah, he's not kicked out. This movie not only has the John Woo uh, symbolic doves, because there's a dove that gives... Oh Tom Cruise's location away. It also has pigeons, like in the in the dove like slow mo birds flapping yeah, the their same wings. sort of fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of pigeons. Yeah, but that dove is like mythical in this movie. I saw that <laughs> and I could not contain myself because it's clearly like a CG not CG, but it's like it looks superimposed and it's got like this glow around it. And I know, you know, John Woo is a very religious person and so like there's definitely like here comes Jesus to save the day is what <laughs> I was like going through my mind. That's his trademark. I wouldn't be I'd be disappointed if there wasn't a dove in this movie but, but but i just mean in that way like it looked like a like a tattoo came to life or something you know where like the dove like started glowing and flew toward the screen and like right behind him like tom cruise appears and just gives like this like quick glance and stuff and i was just like this is this is magic is what's happening now yeah it's it's great. There's like another John Woo flourish that I liked. I think it's in that final, the motorcycle chase or whatever, but there's this one shot where like there's the car going around him and he's on the motorcycle. He's like doing like the front wheel, the front, like the, I guess it's like, it's like a, a front wheelie, like a, a nosy oh, or that whatever. Is like an endo or something? It might be. And like the camera is like spinning around like really fast around him as he is spinning and the car is spinning out. Like it's just, it's just beautiful. Like it, it kind of, it's like, it's excess for excess sake. 
but it works. Mm. And it's just it's lovely. It's it's yeah. great. I love when he causes the smoke screen by hitting the brakes, and then yeah, uh, they go through the intersection, and the, the fucking semi just crashes into the bad guys. <laughs> this is so awesome. A couple of other little bits of trivia about this: Nicole Kidman was the one who suggested Thandie Newton because they co-starred in the movie Flirting in 1991. Oh uh, yeah, and so she was cast even before they wrote the script. Yeah, because they're both Australian. Oh, there we oh, go. That makes okay. sense. Yeah, Flirting's in a like an indie Australian movie. It's good. I wonder if that's why this is shot in Sydney. Maybe to like she's from there. Like it makes kind of sense. Like let's. Yeah, I don't know. Not, the, yeah. a lot of times. In... Why not make her Australian then? Oh, I guess. Oh, she wasn't. I just kind of assumed that she was in the movie because it took place there. It's like we went to her. That's her home turf. Oh yeah. Her, I don't know. No, because they find her in Barcelona. Oh, they did find her in Barcelona. John Woo apparently wrote the script to, or like the script was written because John Woo was like, this is an action scene, the kind of action scene I want to direct. Write this into the movie because I have an idea how to direct it. So it was just like a kind of a storyboard into script idea, I guess. Well, you know what's wild about you saying that there's like a three and a half hour first cut or whatever like that like i feel like the script to this is like 60 pages and like all of the slow-mo and 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 different frame rate and just like length and and excess of like sequences and stuff like things are so drawn out and like i love that about this movie but it just feels like very 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 little actually happens or is like going on that like someone could probably make this in under like an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half or something like i I love the way it's constructed don't get me wrong but i just noticed i was like it's weird how like things just feel really drawn out all the time it's not bothering me but it's just interesting well there's a lot of slow-mo there's a lot of literal drawing it out (laughs) yes and multiple multiple angles of the same shot you know like a car can't just blow up once it has to blow up from like three different perspectives so so this movie was delayed because eyes wide shut took so long to film so like they had to wait for tom cruise to become available and become free again to shoot this and then this ran late because like everything and so Thandie Newton had to drop out of Charlie's Angels because she was doing this because it ran long because it ran long Tom Cruise because of his like back end deal or whatever like because he got so many points on the back end had to pay for all of the shooting like the over like or I don't know if he had to or he just did or I don't know what the actual oh, wow like, he paid for like the reshoots and stuff he or? paid for like the heavy yeah, overshot but that they also said that be, be, between his salary and how much he made on the back end he still made like $75 million from this movie. So like he, he was fine. This is like the highest grossing movie in 2000. So, I mean, it was, he he did fine. We should not, you know, feel bad for, for Mr. Cruz. Oh, Thandie Newton was in Interview with a Vampire with Tom Cruise. And she, oh, she will was? obviously go back to be in Westworld with Anthony Hopkins. Did we miss her in Interview with a Vampire? I don't recall her being in that movie. I think she, I remember her being there. I think when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, but I don't remember who. Oh, she's not a is. vampire though. Like she wasn't in, I don't know. Here. Sounds really early for her. Yvette. Oh, I think she was a meal. One of the two girls that, that Tom Cruise might be eating on the uh, love seat. That, I don't know if you remember that sequence. But... Very possible. Let me see if I can find this on Google Images. Yes. Uh, I see a picture of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> of Tom Cruise carrying her lifeless body, so I guess she uh, she was eaten uh, for sure. Oh, what's up? The uh, the guy that he kidnaps and pretends when he's like uh, telling him about the Crimea virus thing that the uh, the redhead guy he comes back. He's in uh, Edge of Tomorrow, right? He's the guy. He's oh. like the general who like puts him, like demotes him, and sends him to like the place where he'll live tomorrow forever. Huh. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> sends him to the edge. <laughs> My last little bit of trivia about this is that in the end, in that final sand battle where 
Ambrose has the knife by Tom Cruise's eye. Uh, they wanted to use a prop knife for obvious reasons, because it's an eye and it's a knife. But Tom Cruise said, no, use a real knife. No. And I want you to use all the force that you possibly can. <laughs> and I want you to get it to a quarter inch away from my Jesus eye, as opposed to just, like, Christ. near my eye. And so, like, this was apparently a battle of will. Like, I, I don't understand Why? it sometimes. Why? But I love it. I don't know. I love it. It didn't look real. <laughs> Yeah, like, no one can tell any way, like... I don't know if that's just, like, being jaded or something and just, like, seeing what I want to see, but, like, I just assumed, like, I assumed it was digital and so it looked digital. You know, I assumed it was a CG knife. I assumed it was, like, a trick of perspective, like, they used a certain lens or something to make it seem like it was, like, right there or something, but I don't know what that adds. I mean, maybe for him... I Well, I yeah, I think that's great, or, I don't know, it's something that he'd... <laughs> That he did that, but yeah, I wish it, I guess I just wish it looked better, or it looked, I don't know, it was more clear that it, like, was for sure the real thing. It's so strange, because I never really consider things like that stunts in movies, they just go by so fast, or, I've con- or I'm just like, oh, that's just, you know, a prop, and, and th- you know, like, I don't even think a real stuntman would consider using, like, a real knife to stage a fight, <laughs> no. you know, like, it's just so bizarre at that level, it's like... <laughs> Mike, do you have any other notes, any other thoughts about Mission Impossible 2 before we ask a couple very important questions and uh, nominate this for some awards? There's one point, it's not my, like, least favorite point, but it just, it's when I threw my arms up in the air and just said, okay, movie like I love you and you win when they're sort of in the tunnels and stuff and he's doing his uh, night monkey stuff like I feel like he's like night monkey from far from home in parts of this movie where he's like sneaking around in the dark in that little like black sweatsuit with the with the mask and everything but it's like during that part and at one point he manages to like knock out the dude's bodyguard and make a mask of himself and the dude's bodyguard and like do the old mascaroo switcheroo dealy and when like it's all off screen and he like kind of drags himself back into the room and then the bad guy shoots Tom Cruise in the leg but it's not Tom Cruise I didn't see any mask making machine packed into his gear thing we do get one of those I think in like the next movie or something I assumed he planned ahead like that was well that's what eventually I was like well I get that that was his plan and I I accept it don't get me wrong like I think it's I think it's kind of hilarious. Believe it or not, that's the moment where uh, my suspension of disbelief kind of walked away. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, they better not go any further. It's so worth it for that reveal, though. It's, it's, I love how that plays out. I love all the ways the the mask reveals in this movie actually look so great. You know, especially the one when um, Sean is like, meets Thandie Newton on his own compound and pretends to be Tom Cruise. And he's like, really evil looking. And then he takes off his mask and it turns out he's been fucking crying like he's been crying like under the tom cruise man <laughs> and the guard comes up and he's like what's happening he's like oh. he's like nothing like <laughs> austin what about you any other final thoughts before we ask a couple very important questions uh no i'll just say that this whole movie i was gagging for it that's a line in the movie yes 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 that same scene okay so now i think you know mike and i had played this last time uh but the, the other tom you know if tom hanks were cast in the role of ethan hunt do you think that could have worked austin if not is there another role in this movie that you think he could have played can't imagine this movie being any different with tom hanks in <laughs> as ethan hunt <laughs> fucking there's no way he could do this i want to see him as the uh, helicopter pilot i think that could work i mean it's a very small role but uh that might work that's exactly what i'm saying you bring in someone like tom hanks <laughs> 
or the Anthony Hopkins part, or yeah, some bit part. Why not? Nowadays, like the uh, sort of older gray Tom Hanks as the mm. uh, head of IMF would be cool, like replacing the next guy. That would be neat. Yeah, yeah. A very important question we ask every episode. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's yes or not. I, I, I would imagine it is, but I can't think of a thing. Does Tom Cruise run in this movie? Yeah, I think he runs with the pigeons. Oh, yeah, because he's in the sewers, and he's, like, running up to the dude, and he does this crazy, like, kick, like, guile from Street Fighter Two. He does, like, yes. the flash kick. I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah. I expected so yes, to see, like... in slow motion? He, it right? Might be, does that count? It might be slow motion, because, yeah, if the pigeons were in the shot, it was probably slow motion. But he is... He Interesting. Is, there's definitely a shot of him running surrounded by pigeons. Now, one other question that, you know, we asked on the cocktail episode, if you remember... There's somebody that we found on Twitter, Harperfect, or Harperfect, uh, who said that you can replace Tom Cruise's character name in every movie with the name Lightning McQueen, and not a thing would change. Uh, I don't remember. I'm not going to look back at what we said for the first Mission Impossible movie, but Austin, this is up to you. Do you think if we replaced Ethan Hunt's name with Lightning McQueen, this movie would still work, that not a thing would change? I'm going to say no. All right. For this whole series, I think he needs kind of a boring name like i think ethan hunt is kind of Mm. perfect like he needs something plain and i think it would actually like take something away if he had something so fancy if it would work in any movie it would maybe be this one because it's the most like over the top i wouldn't like it i don't think it's it's appropriate for this character i think he has to be ethan he could have an alias of lightning mcqueen but i don't think that could be his name (laughs) all right all right, yeah. I like that. Joey, do you remember from the first movie we, we found out, I think, is like just by mining the sort of stuff that showed up in the background on TV, his mother's maiden name is Ethan? Yes, yes, so, yes, yes, so, yes, yes. <laughs> so he has two last names. His name is Ethan Hunt. His first name is his mother's maiden name. So it's that's crazy. Oh, that's that cool. makes it even more boring. It's cool, but I feel like it's even more innocuous. You know, like it's even lamer or something to a degree. <laughs> well, I guess. I don't know. I think that's I think that's cool. And I think that informs his character that he was named after his mom. I think that's nice. It explains it why nice, he's... It? Yeah, it's part of... I think he was raised feminist. And he's, <laughs> he's very respectful <laughs> to women. He was very disgusted with Anthony Hopkins when he said a misogynistic comment. I don't know. I think that... Something about that really works for me, him being named after his mom. And I, I don't know. I just picture him being, like, raised well with good values <laughs> and be, uh, <laughs> being respectful to women. The final thing on the show that we have to do is nominate this movie for some awards. I, I know that we all like it. I don't think that we I want to nominate it for Best Film just because we have the first one there. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Fallout there. We might have another one in between. I like the first one more also, yeah. I think. I mean, I really like this movie more than I was expecting, and, and I love it, but that first one just is crazy. I will put down, uh, for now, John Woo for Mission Impossible for Best Director Filmmaker. Okay. Uh, we have Best Cruise role already. We have the Ethan Hunt there already. Most Badass role already have that. So this is an interesting thing, you know. Best Fight. Is there a fight in here that we want to nominate? We oh. want to put up against all of the fights? Because that end fight is kind of is kind of lame. It's tough. There's not a lot of hand-to-hand combat in this. Like, if you notice, they sort of do the reversal of the safe dive from the first one. They do it into, like, the black 
laboratory, right? Like he has to dive from the helicopter down into the thing. And then he sort of has a fight that's like a gunfight straight out of the Matrix. I feel like this movie was sort of like bouncing off the success of the Matrix a little bit through all, all that. But I can't recall like any real... Like, he just dismantles people, you know, like Rambo, like, quickly. Like, he doesn't have a chance to fight long. Like, it's just one-two, and he takes people out. It's kind of disappointing, I guess, in that regard, isn't it? So Well, we'll get, like, the epic fight in Fallout soon enough. Reloading so. his arms, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best theme song soundtrack score, we have the franchise nominated there already. Best car chase race, though, yes, absolutely, right? Yeah. Um, motorcycle versus cute. car. What about the Tandy Newton meet-cute car chase where they almost die? I like. I think. Yeah, there's that one. That's and car the, and car. The motorcycle battle. That that was also. I don't know if we said it before, but that was also giving me Fast and Furious vibes of like them racing to see Mia giving oh, birth, yeah. or like it's kind of it's not the stare and drive from Too Fast, but it's no, kind but it's, of the stare like and drive. Dom chases Letty from maybe part six, is it or something or seven or six? I think. Oh, right? it's six. Yeah, when, yeah, he, when yeah. he's racing memories back into her. <laughs> <laughs> best dance scene he does not dance unfortunately I don't think right no there is no. dance but he doesn't dance best outfit wardrobe I don't think there's anything in here that's necessarily noteworthy is oh there? there's like a no. transition early in the movie that's like the Latin woman dancer who like swipes across the screen for a scene transition I remember I don't I remember, remember the transition. I, know, I know what scene you're talking about but I don't remember the transition it's very early on and it's just like a screen wipe and they use this like very like 90s flamenco dancer spinning to like go across the screen but yeah i would nominate that for best dance <laughs> but, but that's not him and you guys don't even remember it but it's it's great <laughs> i remember the dance because that's she she's dancing there as sandy newton steals the necklace like that's what she's using to sort of like it's kind of almost like oh what's that bruce willis movie color of where night hudson he, hawk yeah where he where he thieves to music right like it's kind of hudson would you like to smash <laughs> Well, what I was thinking was uh, he's looking at this girl and she's looking at him, and then we cut to the dancing. I was like, "Ooh, they're having a little dance themselves, ooh, aren't they?" Ooh, now it's the last on? tango in Barcelona. Yeah, so I think the way they cut to that scene is like with this right. absurd transition that I thought was great. Best sunglasses. We got to nominate the Oakley oh, eyes. Yeah. Dude, the fucking... you, don't, you cannot buy those anymore, unfortunately. Holy shit. But, uh, well, they self-destruct. Yeah, self-destructing sunglasses for sure. Uh, best death. He does not die. Best line or best freak out. Is there a line oh, or freak wait, out? Oh wait, I'm here? sorry. Real quick, I know Tom Cruise does Tom. die in this movie. Yeah, like, that's what's interesting. Like, hmm. Ethan Hunt doesn't die, but it's weird to see Tom Cruise die on screen like All that. Right, so I'll say, uh, <laughs> masked, I'll put in, in quotes, masked enemy shot to death. I don't think it's going to survive the call when we wipe this list but, down. But, you know, it's, but it's, like, worth, it's now, worth keeping around, yeah. It's cool because, it, you know, it's like a fake-out kill or death. Or, I don't know. It's just well, because we also... So we have five deaths right now, including that one. Two of them are from Interview with the Vampire, which he cannot die. <laughs> They're just two of them he's tried to kill. And he's only actually died in two movies. One of which I forgot that he died in, so... Whew. Oh, man, and when we get to Edge of Tomorrow... Can I ask which two? Dying. Which two does he die in? He dies in Taps, because okay. he's a psychopath who, like, leads a, a rebellion a against militia, the, the basically. Army, yeah. And they shoot him and kill him. And then he dies in Far and Away. A horse roll, falls on him and rolls over him, and he, and he dies. Oh, yeah. Wait, no, but then he comes back to life. Oh, because so we got to put a little star there, too. God damn it. <laughs> so, Austin, they're, like, racing to get land and stuff, and at the end, like, a, like he beats this guy and he gets to land, and then, like, a horse runs over him, I think. <laughs> like a whack. I don't know. But he's dying, and then, like, the camera literally is, like, bird's eye view, drifting away from him, and then, like, like, she kisses him, and the camera, like, swoops back down into his face, <laughs> oh and he God. comes back to life. 
It's a I love that he's, movie. <laughs> he's died five times, but actually stayed dead once. Wow. Okay. <laughs> which is amazing. That is, you know, yeah. if that's not a testament to the power of Scientology, I don't know what is. Yeah, I guess you just gotta, like, give that to Edge of Tomorrow. Since that's, right? Oh, God, yeah. He like, still wow. doesn't stay dead, but at least, like, he's dying in the movie. That is insane. Like, is, he must be the most acting actor who's died, but not really been killed. I don't know. There's like, some the weird stat Sean going Bean, right? on. Sean Bean <laughs> can't not die and tom cruise can't not come back to life yeah there's tons. there it is clint eastwood i think has only died in like two movies out of like a hundred i think it's two movies that he's died in you know when we did cage club and we were keeping track of deaths like i feel like cage died kind of an appropriate amount of time because i feel like a lot of movies <laughs> the leading man just does not die because they can't look weak or whatever right but like they they occasionally are killed especially early on cage was killed but then there's like a long stretch where he didn't die but i feel like lately oh yeah he's died in like a a, a rap like a wild disproportionate <laughs> amount of movies like he just yeah. like oh no i'm done like he just killed me off and like shot to death like brutally yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> executed i'd say amazing <laughs> best line or best freak out is there something in here that you uh either of you think we should nominate oh man that anthony hopkins line is so perfect i wish it came out of tom cruise i know when this it, is a specifically a tom cruise says a thing i know which line where it, it's not mission difficult oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. i wish like tom cruise said that to ving rames later or something you know like mm-hmm. i do i do love that i thought about that i think that might have been the only quote that i wrote down well for me it's feel better him shout him shouting that in her face. <laughs> shouted it in her that conversation face. but just and it's like i mean it's almost a freak out too like he really like shouts in her face feel oh, better oh i'm put, i'm putting it in her freak outs yeah it's so good feel better anthony hopkins was right that was difficult <laughs> was very, i bought it like that's the thing too is like i buy their relationship for some reason like so wholeheartedly that like i really like you said also like i wanted to see her back yeah like, it's so weird at the end of this movie i mean like why do i feel like they belong together i don't care because <laughs> it was done it's just charming it's a very like charming fling yeah. i guess but yeah as a relationship or whatever it's just i love it is the sex scene he has with Thandie newton is it worth nominating for best sex scene oh, or no? no no it's like the worst we don't even see it they just like wake up yeah next right. to each wake other up like the the sex scene is the car chase you know like that's yeah. that's the sex well that's the, that's the foreplay that's that's just the, you know, yeah i guess yeah. yeah right yeah or them in the bathtub rolling around there's a lot of build-up right and then the actual release is just uh yeah I, yeah i don't know uh most athletic feet obviously free soloing a mountain oh my Mission god Impossible yeah. too. i mean even you know that that had ropes even knowing that that he was yeah. guy, whatever like doesn't matter like still amazing they had a lie like he lied to the studio he's just like oh i'm oh, not gonna yeah. do that and then he actually did that because they're like no we need like a, we need a double you know, and then he basically said and i think he said it again like in fallout like i think probably in all the movies he's like no people can tell when it's not me and they want him to look real i want him to look good i'm going to do this myself and john was like all right man do whatever you gotta do because i'm not gonna be like <laughs> well, you're you're higher up on the food chain than I am, basically. That's what I heard was that John Woo said it was sort of like sprung on him, not the day of, but like Tom Cruise came to him and was like, uh, yeah, so like we're going to figure out how I'm going to do this. And he's like, okay, <laughs> like he's kind of not like you're the boss, but he's like, I, I make like he wanted to help him do it. You know what I'm saying? Like they were in it together, I think. But like, yeah, that's it was just like uh, kind of a secret, I guess, to the studio, <laughs> which is like insane <laughs> now when you think about it. Like could have yeah. lost Tom Cruise. <laughs> like, oh, well, that's running scene nothing of particular note to nominate here best or worst love story 
Yeah, <laughs> best love story. <laughs> have we? What have we had so far? I mean, most of it's been with his wife. I feel like we got to get a couple else in here. Like this is a this. I like this. Yeah. No, we don't even have. Uh, so best love story right now so far. Jack and Lily in Legend. What? No, that's gonna go. <laughs> we have Jerry and Dorothy in Jerry Maguire. All right, and that's we a have, tough one to beat. We have Maverick and Goose or Maverick and Iceman in Top Gun. Oh, okay. So, yeah, this has to get in there. I like this one. And then for worst, we have Bill and Alice in Eyes Wide Shut, and then we have Brian and Jordan in Cocktail. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. That relationship, Brian and Jordan. Yeah, that was a bad one. They're going to have twins, those two. Oh, dear. <laughs> Best ensemble cast. I'm gonna say no because I feel like there are better ensemble casts in other Mission yeah, Impossible there's movies. Like, yeah, this is, there's a, this this movie actually feels kind of small on that scale. It does. Like because yeah, I don't like they know intentionally dialed back, right? Well, yeah, it feels like they really wanted to showcase Tom Cruise because I have no idea who like half the people are in this movie. Like I didn't know who Tandy Newton was. I didn't know who the guy playing the bad guy was. I didn't. You know what I'm saying? I knew Anthony Hopkins obviously and Ving Rhames, but like that's literally like who's this Billy actor? You know, like it really just feels like he's supposed to stand out and get recognized and then the final thing best non-cruise actor male or female do we want to nominate anybody fandy newton or somebody else i mean i don't know if she's really in, i don't know if she has enough to do to really you know recognize her i love their relationship and i i really liked her character in the first half i don't know if it's i necessarily came away from it like impressed by their performance you know i just kind of like the character i think ving rames can just always be nominated oh yeah we have we have we have luther as in the franchise we have okay. that from the first one we knew that he was going to stick around so we, we 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 made sure to give him his due i don't know if if she necessarily earns a you know, best yeah. non-cruise actor. I think she gets close, and then like her character just kind of drops out of the movie. Unfortunately, yeah, she injects and, herself with the what with the, right. the virus. With the she's the like, virus I'm gone. But also, like, it's kind of very much like you wouldn't. They probably wouldn't do this in a new Mission Impossible movie where they like have a girl infiltrate the gang. Like, this is very Fast and Furious too, right, Joey? Where it's like the old flame gets together with either the drug lord or the crook or the thief or something and goes undercover. It's like an old flame kind of situation. Thing. I don't know if they would, you know, because she's just being used because she's a woman. <laughs> like, that's so weird. Like, she's not even because she's a thief. It's because... It's like, like slightly more active fridging, kind of, right? Like, kind it's of, like, right. Yeah. Like she's not killed and motivated him, but she's injected and she's used and she's... I guess, you know, the standard right. plight of a woman in Hollywood. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Well, eight awards, not 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 including the ones that we had for the franchise. Best Director Filmmaker, two for Best Car Chase Race, Best Sunglasses, Best Death with an asterisk, Best Freak Out, Most Athletic Feet, and Best Love Story. So pretty successful overall for yes. what many consider to be the worst Mission Impossible movie. Uh, very cool, very cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. If you, if people want to find you, where can you be found on the internet? You can find me on Letterboxd or Instagram. And yeah, you can look up my movie reviewed cinema stories series on YouTube. Like three minute movie reviews and they're good, I think. I don't know. Now I heard that there were rumblings last time that after you asked for money on Venmo, did, did somebody pay you money on Venmo? Oh yeah, there's I forgot to give that plug that I am on Venmo if you want to send me money. <laughs> and yeah, Joey sent me a dollar. <laughs> so that's our standard pay for guests. That's just what you pay on. every guest. It's one dollar. To be honest, you know, Mike and I have done 
I don't know, 500, what, say, say 500 episodes, right? Like, no one has ever asked for money before. You're the first person to ask to get paid, so... I'm not asking to know. be paid for the podcast. I'm asking uh, just... But you're just asking to be paid in general. I'm asking for yeah, free money get... for nothing. <laughs> so I want that dollar back, because I paid you for the podcast. I didn't pay you just for nothing. I paid you for the podcast. So I guess, you know, if you find it in your heart to give me that dollar back, I maybe won't. at some point I'll give you a dollar for nothing. <laughs> or did you already spend it? <laughs> yes, I already spent it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's my big plug is uh, uh, just, you know, if you enjoyed my appearance on this podcast or if you didn't or uh, if you're just listening to this part, you know, yeah, send me a few bucks. (laughs) Oh, a few bucks. No, I mean, I said that last time. I will accept any amount. You cannot you cannot give me enough money. But, oh, okay. but you can't. Okay. I mean, there's no, there's no wrong amount either. A dollar was really great to receive. Well, Mike, next time we have uh, a movie called Vanilla Sky, the the Ooh. American remake of Abre los Ojos, uh-huh. uh, which I don't remember much about. But we have a couple uh, exciting first time guests on either nice. one of the Tom Tom episodes. So next episode, some big new yeah. shiny new things and returning director. Cameron Crowe's mm. counting Cameron Crowe. You know what I realized? Uh, we were a couple weekends ago. I was up in the a cab- at a cabin in the woods for my friend's birthday party. Uh oh. Uh oh. What did you guys choose out of the cellar? We was... read Latin. It was a very bad Uh-oh. idea. Actually, the cellar there is locked, so we can't even get down there, which I guess is mm. probably for the best. But anyway, there was a bunch of DVDs there because there was n- the internet was bad and there was no TV, and so they just had a bunch of DVDs. So at night, you know, after we had drank all day and eaten meat all day and, you know, been outside, whatever, come inside, put on some movies, play some cards or whatever. Speaking of Cameron Crowe, I put on Almost Famous. It was too good of a movie. Like, people just, like, stopped what they were doing oh. and just watched the movie. And I was like, oh, this is – it backfired. It's just like this was not what I – I think it was also, like, the second night. People were tired. They were they were sleepy, whatever. But people were just like, oh, I'm just going to I'm just gonna watch the movie. It's like, this isn't what I wanted at all. Like, I just want a background noise. And then people were like, oh, this is good. Which, yes, it is, but come on, guys. You should have put on the, one of the two copies of Mr. Magorium's Magic Emporium that are up at the cabin. Mm. That's a Breaking Bad final season. Oh. When he's at the cabin, that's like two DVDs that uh, Robert Forrester brings, and it's like oh, both yeah. Mr. Magorium's Emporium. <laughs> well, so for all things Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium, go to cageclub.me, <laughs> facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, run at cageclub.me. Come back in two weeks for Vanilla Sky. Come back on our Hanks for the Memories episode, our Tom Hanks podcast, next mm. week for Sleepless in Seattle. Check out our last episode over there of A League of Their Own, available now. And we will see you soon for Vanilla Sky, you know, everything in its right place, the Radiohead song to kick it off. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Austin Wolf Southern of Venmo. And we will see you soon right here on Cruise Club. (laughs) 